0: you ready. Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. In my personal update, it is a rainy fall day here, and fall is really hitting the colors are just gorgeous up here in the mountains. But um, more than that, and I guess in my business update, I have several books that have just gotten a refresh. New covers. It's the defining series defining Home, defining family. Adelina's adventures so if you have they are young adult and adults like them too novels about an orphan and human trafficking I don't want to spend all the time to give you a really great description but the third in the series is coming out at the beginning of November and I will link them it's a great way to teach your teen without teaching about human trafficking because a teen will read a novel. In fact, on my pre-read teams and my revision teams, it was full of teenagers. And I had a great time with them because they would speak their mind and tell me what they thought. And that's what one of the teens had said. You know, I would never read a handbook on human trafficking. But reading this story about this character that I connected with that taught I learned a lot about human trafficking and the dangers of it that I didn't know just through reading this book. So that's my little sales pitch for those. I will link them in the show notes so you will know where to find them. And also, this is huge. Did you ever do something that you thought was the right thing to do? It wasn't a moral thing. It was just a decision. And then you get further down the road and say, hmm, it probably wasn't the best choice. So I need to backtrack. And so many times we're tempted not to backtrack because we don't want people thinking that we are foolish or we're dumb or we made a mistake. Well, I did make a mistake and I'm just telling you that. So what is the mistake that I made was shutting down or not really shutting down. But thewholehouse.org has been my main website for over 10 years, and I decided to build a new website, KathleenGuire.com, and I think that the mistake was trying to shut down the whole house. So house.org is still up. I will be posting the podcast there. I will be posting articles there, and Kathleen Guire is still up, but the difference between the two is the thewholehouse.org will be featuring articles about adoption, home, health, and family, all in one place. That's the tagline. Adoption, foster care, home projects. That's where my courses are. That's where my nonfiction books are. KathleenGuire.com is for my fiction books. And I decided I needed to do that because that's two different and distinct audiences And I noticed that even though I hadn't unpublished The Whole House, when I would just go and check on it because I had things saved on there, I was still getting a lot of traffic on there. I was like, wow, wait. I'm still, you know, people are still reading these articles. They're benefiting from these things. So I'm taking up a lot of time to say that. Thewholehouse.org is still up and KathleenGuire.com is for my fiction books. If you're interested in those, go to that page. If you want articles to see my courses, my nonfiction books, go to thewholehouse.org. Okay, community update. Today, I'll just tell you what the topic is for today. It is the brain and fear. Dun, 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 dun. Because... I check the stats on the podcast to see what's being listened to. A lot of times, people don't listen to the newer episodes right away. When they find the podcast, they go back into the backlist. And the one that is getting more listens than any other one is how to stunt the growth of anxiety in your child. That every single week Is getting more lessons. So I thought it would be a really, really great time to delve into the brain and fear a little bit more deeply. So that's what I want to talk about today. And as per normal, as per usual, my up my community and personal updates took the first five minutes, but that's okay. All right. I am going to be reading a little bit out of my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos, for adoptive and foster parents. Now, this obviously applies to any child, what I'm talking about, fear, so don't just think, okay, well, I'm clicking out of here. I haven't adopted, and I don't foster. This is for children in general, and in the book, there is a whole chapter on the brain and fear. I'm going to start with reading you a little excerpt, it's a little story from the book, to get your mindset on fear. Because often when we talk about fear, if we're not suffering any fear at the moment or any anxiety, then it's hard to grasp. It's it's important to connect with not only the concept or facts about fear, but actually the feeling of fear. My sister-in-law, Connie, had come for a visit with her three children and we all headed up to the private neighborhood park. Connie and I decided to walk up the hill adjacent to the park and look at the tiny graveyard left over from an old family farm. I gave Amory one walkie-talkie and kept the other, as was my practice when the kids were any distance from me at the park. Twilight descended as we peered over the fence and tried to make out the writing on a gray, weather-worn headstone. We both leaned over further, straining our eyes to make out the name when a child's clear, disembodied voice rang out in the silence. What are you doing? Connie and I screamed, jumped, and hugged each other, all at the same time. It took a second of hair-raising fear before we remembered the walkie-talkie. It wasn't a child speaking from the grave. It was a flesh-and-blood child of mine speaking from the swing set. But, oh, that moment of fear, the blood-pumping, goose-bumping, heart-quickening fear. I don't usually believe in ghosts, but that half-second of terror was an exception. Imagine walking around all day long locked in that sort of fear. Imagine a constant flow of cortisol, adrenaline, as if you spent every second of every day being chased by a bear with its claws bared and its teeth dripping with blood. You might be jumpy, flighty, overreactive, unable to sleep, feeling neither hungry nor thirsty, unable to read any of your body's signals. So that's just kind of get your mindset there. Imagine feeling like that. Maybe you have a fear in your past. You know, mine was kind of a funny story, but I have real stories of real fear. That, but it, the feeling is the same. That's the thing about fear. Um, I remember it was years and years ago. Joyce Meyer taught this series on fear. And she said that fear was false evidence appearing real. Many times it is because it can be in a situation where we don't need to be fearful, but we're triggered by something. And all of a sudden we feel that fear as if we were in a situation or in an environment where we needed to fear. Now our kids, and we can too, can get stuck in that pattern of fear and anxiety where the trigger is never shut off. It's like the switch that gets turned on it's constantly constantly there now fear serves a purpose fear is to tell us hey there's danger you need to run you need to get away or you need to get out of the situation or you need to stop doing what you're doing and doing do something else but like i said our kids and us we can get that switch can get stuck on so we're always feeling the fear and feeling the anxiety In an article about the impact of fear and anxiety, the University of Minnesota's Taking Charge website explains that physically, fear prepares us to react to danger. If we believe we might be in danger, our bodies respond by releasing hormones that slow or shut down functions not needed for survival, such as our digestive system, and sharpen functions that might help us survive such as our eyesight. Your heart beats faster, sending blood to your muscles so that you can run or fight. But here's the problem. If your child is feeling that fear, but there's nothing to fear, and the body gets stuck in that mode, you know what I said, taking the blood away from the digestion, they don't feel hungry. They might feel jumpy, flighty, overreactive, unable to sleep. I've talked to so many parents during this season that they say their kid's not sleeping. And it's almost a subconscious thing, especially younger kids who don't know what's going on in the world. They're not watching the news. They're not getting on social media. But they are mirroring what their parents are feeling. And that's some, uh, sometimes a really good thing and sometimes a really scary thing. Because if we are anxious and we are overwrought, they're, they're going to mirror those. But I'm just kind of, that's kind of I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. But meanwhile, an increased flow of hormones to your amygdala helps you focus on the situation and form memories. So here's what happens. Your brain will imprint smells, colors, weather, time of day, and other sensory details from a fear-inducing situation. So that's what happens to our kids. So if your child, if you are a, have adopted a child or you're fostering a child and they've already had trauma, they have formed these memories. And a smell, a sight, a sound, a feeling, any sensory-inducing thing can bring that fear, that can trigger that fear. And we have to think about that. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. This was just kind of a really simple thing. My my youngest son has spent a lot of time in the hospital. And any smell of hand sanitizer, so this is not a good season for him, Anything that smelled like hospital, things that they used in the hospital, like smelling so clean, over clean, would, would send him into panic mode to the point where he would hold his breath until he would pass out. It, it was crazy. And so this was when he was about two years old. I had gone out to eat with some friends of mine, and we all had large families, so we had like four or five tables pushed together. And one of my, I was on the other side of the table, so to get around these four or five tables, I would have had run like a lap around the track meet there. Um, So my son was directly across from me, sitting in a high chair, and my friend got out this little tiny bottle of hand sanitizer, I can talk, hand sanitizer, and she just had all the kids stick their hand out. So my son, Rafael, he stuck his hand out. And I, you know, my everything was happening in slow motion because in my mind, I'm I'm like, no, you can't do that. And I heard my mouth saying no, but I also saw this drop of hand sanitizer in slow motion just coming down to his hand. And as soon as it hit his hand, probably as soon as he smelled it, his mouth opened and there was this soundless wail. Like he, nothing was coming out. He was holding his breath. His lips started turning blue. And my friend was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So I made the lap around the table and I'm wiping the hand sanitizer off his hand and trying to explain to her. But I was more concerned about getting that smell away from him before he passed out Then I was about explaining to her. So I did explain to her later. So that's what fear can do. It can send you, even a two-year-old who can't say, hey, you know what? I was born prematurely and I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Therefore, I do not like the smell of hand sanitizer, Lysol, Clorox, or any other cleaner. No, he could not verbalize it. And But it still sent him to that panic to the point where he was holding his breath. And he would hold his breath until he passed out. Now, thankfully, at that moment, he did get close to it. But we brought him back pretty quickly. So this is just the beginning of my series on fear. I want to talk about this for several weeks. And like I said, there's a whole chapter and how to have peace when your kids are in chaos. So I want to talk about the brain and fear. I'll continue this series. So thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find Positive Adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.